welcome to a piloted second episode of TMC's 15 Minutes of Football, podcast designed to devour the most complex of football-related topics in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, Johnny Bentley. Once again, I'm joined by James, TMC's veteran podcaster. Hi. And we're joined as well with a special guest. In the past, we've had Clive Tilsley, who's been on ITV. And we've had Ian Dark, who's been on ESPN and BT. Uh, we like the acronym sports uh, related companies. So now we've got Jordan from ASDA. Sports. <laughs> um, Hello, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about that? What's that all about? Sorry, about ASDA? Mm. Well, uh, yeah, it's just something that's been mainly through coronavirus, you know, with obviously that taking away the sports. So I've been doing that instead. No, that is fascinating stuff. But on a serious note, Jordan is one of the key workers at ASDA and also, you know, will offer a great deal of insight in, in particular on this. He's been on radio, he's been on a, an award-nominated podcast, quite sad when I say nominated. Um, I was very bitter, very bitter at that moment, actually, won't go into that. But we will go into four topics, 15 minutes or less, first of which, you know, with the Champions League on the horizon, it makes sense to look into the Champions League. And maybe from a non-British perspective, we hear a lot about what Manchester City might do and what Manchester City, uh, you know, what we expect from them, but we hear maybe less about what happens overseas and overfield. So um, we're going to have a 15-minute discussion into that and we'll start that around now. So what do you guys, I mean, that's, you know, easy way to start is who do you think might win if Manchester City don't? Who's your favourites in, in that regard? Because every other team is foreign. Ooh, for me, I would, I would probably point towards Bayern. Mm. Uh, I think they have the strongest foundation and a very strong side. They're obviously... All but through against Chelsea. I know James might not like <laughs> like that one, but yeah. <laughs> no, they're they're yeah, definitely probably points towards Bayern. <laughs> yeah, James. Uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I can't disagree with that. Bayern look very strong. Lewandowski is having an incredible season, scoring a lot of goals. They're yeah, they're just a well-run club. They're a very good team, and they're a threat. Definitely, I think if Man City don't win it. I think, okay. I, I mean, I can, if Real Madrid not if Real Madrid knock out Manchester City, mm. they could win it. They mm. have a. I mean, if you look at their team, mm. it's very, very strong all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. And Zidane has won it three times. Mm. A lot of those players have won it three times, actually. So mm. they know how to win it. Yeah. And so, just off the back of winning La Liga as well. Yeah, they exactly. They've got momentum as well, confidence. And they've yeah. had a bit of a break as well. So, if they knock out Manchester City, I would say they would, they could, they could do it. Although they probably have to play Barcelona. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, so that would be interesting. But it's a weird yeah. one. I think that La Liga itself isn't isn't quite the same firepower that it used to. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, behemoth as it used to be in the past. It's probably, you know, many people think actually many Barcelona people who fans who watch them regularly are so disappointed with this season they've lost a league to a Real Madrid team without Ronaldo with Bale playing golf and a general sort of you know emphasis on young players who haven't quite got there yet Benzema's took a much more prominent role this year yeah. as the striker Tony Cruz uh, you know people are recognising him now again as one of the world's best midfielders does a phenomenal job and Casemiro in there, phenomenal defensive midfielder. I think it's a lot more Valverde as well coming through. I think it's a lot yeah. more of a steely Real Madrid team compared to what we used to see back in, in, mm. in a few years ago, where you had a front three uh, that scored lots and lots of goals and a, a midfield that was very 
I mean, it's still very technically good. But again, you've it seems to be as well, as we say, they've got a very good defence, haven't they, Real Madrid? They've got a very good defence, very good goalkeeper, very solid midfield. It's just the attack that's lost that, they you know, desires of the past. Yeah. They've, the way that they've built that team is very, very smart. Mm. Um, I mean... What it, I heard is that, that Perez learnt from the mistake of not buying Neymar when he was younger. Mm. And so he's basically gone after all the best young talent in mm. every position. Mm. And they've recruited a yeah. lot of good young talent and not just attacking talent. You know, mm. I mean, Mendy, you know, the left back. Militao as well. They've just, they've been, they've been really good at recruiting a lot of good young talent and they're going to dominate Spanish football for the next few years because Barcelona are in a mess right now. And, but, and you know, when Messi retires, they're going to be even mm. more a mess. I mean, you the clubs run so poorly. Mm. The, the recruitment has been so bad. But, but Real Madrid have been fantastic. And part of that is Zidane and part of that is Perez. Mm. Uh, and so they're going to get, this going to get stronger. So, I think, yeah. yeah, you make a good point there, James. I think we've been more sensible. And th- there is there is this feeling, though, that it's a missed opportunity for Barcelona, that when Real Madrid have declined slightly, changing, a, as we say, a change in style, change in approach to become a more steely outfit, uh, Barcelona have missed a chance to capitalise on that with, as we say, you've touched on it, poor recruitment. Read a few out, obvious ones, 140 for Coutinho, which doesn't really fit the system. 105 for Dembele, like a hospital patient who's on loan at the Catalan Giants. Uh, 105 for Griezmann, doesn't fit the system. Traditionally in a front two at Atletico, slightly off the striker, Barcelona play 4-3-3. Uh, Sam signed Paulinho from China. Everyone thought, what are they doing? Then he started playing well and they sold him again. So, and then they, they bought, they get, they're going to buy Pjanic, it seems. 30 years old, doesn't really fit Maurizio Sarri's system. He's not really bothered to lose him. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a bit baffling, isn't it, Jordan, the way mm. they've recruited. And also, and think- also, just before you do answer, do you think that there's too much of a, of a, of a stranglehold that Lionel Messi has on the club? I mean, he's the best player in the world. And he well, is. Well, yeah, a, I, was, I was just going to kind of elaborate on that a little bit because obviously, I think Real Madrid actually sold Ronaldo at the right time. Uh, and they maximise the amount of money that they're going to get for him from Juventus, 100 million. Uh, whereas Messi's obviously, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you two, but I think Messi's the best in the world. He's better than Ronaldo. But mm. there's, as you say, there's almost too much reliance on Messi at Barca. And they've almost missed the opportunity to sell him for the absolute maximum. I, I know City probably would have, would have snapped the hands off if, if there was an opportunity to buy him. But they've, they've missed that chance. Whereas... Real Madrid actually took that and they've started the rebuild already. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a point. That's a good point in some ways. I think, yeah, because, the, I mean, in, I mean, Messi's yeah, like the best player in the world, like you say. So I think they've been poorly run from the top. Part of that is the, uh, the president that's in charge and just this scattergun approach to team building. Yeah. Uh, and no clear philosophy. You know, since um, Luis Enrique left, they've really kind of stagnated. I mean, I know they've won the Liga in that time, but they've really stagnated. Mm. You know, and there's talk about Xavi coming back as manager. Mm. I think he's wanting to wait until the president has left, the current president has left, until he comes back, because he wants to start from scratch, basically rebuild it from scratch. Mm. Kind of, I mean, Pep Guardiola didn't, didn't build it from scratch, but he built he built that team which dominated for quite a long time, you know, and he 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 developed a lot of the academy players because he worked with them in the academy. So the major overhaul is needed there. So that's the long and short of that is that um, they probably won't win the Champions League, yeah. <laughs> and Roma no. did have a better chance of winning it than they will, and a better chance of no, being I agree. successful 
over the but next of course they have to overturn the arguably some people's favourites of the Champions League in, in, in Manchester City, although again every we all know what Manchester City's strengths and weaknesses are, but you did mention Bayern Munich as well before, I think Jordan did, and I completely agree they've been my favourites anyway for the competition because of course you know, so much, well I, I say strength in depth, I mean I know Leroy Sane can't play in the transfer market, in the Champions League this mm. but but you know, for next season, phenomenal signing for them, quite cheap as well, yeah. but generally I think They've got a very good team balance. You've got Benjamin Pavard, who's a brilliant defensive-minded right-back who can play centre-back. Uh, you've got uh, Alfonso David, who's a left-winger, morphed into a left-back, who's brilliant going forward. David Alaba can play in every position on the pitch, and he's a very good <laughs> centre-back. Jerem Boateng, experienced. Lucas Hernandez, exper- uh, expensive buying backup, because with injuries. All that with um, Lewandowski up top. All that with Lewandowski up top. Thomas Muller rejuvenated as a number 10. That's why Philip Coutinho can't get him aside. Thiago, is he going to stay or go? Poetry, poetic midfielder, but then you've got Leon Goretzka uh, behind him. So there is, you know, immense depth there. Kimmich as well, best right back in the world, some people said at the time, now playing defensive <laughs> midfield. So it is a phenomenally run club. It's funny, all of the all the teams we mentioned are actually on one side of the draw there, though. Yeah, when I mean, got, yeah, got right. yeah. PSG on the other side, who've got a tough match against Atalanta, mm. who we've all kind of mentioned that we would maybe prefer to, to win that tie and go on a bit of a run yeah. and they could when, when it's only one leg I think anybody I mean we've all said the teams that we think might win but it's anybody's game really when it's over the course of one leg I absolutely agree it's a different Champions League because you only have to technically win one leg and in, you know like in the FA Cup we see it in the FA Cup that the underdog can win Yeah, if, if the underdog has had a good day and the favourite has an off day Anything can happen. So, mm. and I wouldn't bet against. I, I wouldn't bet against At- Atalanta right now because they're such. They're playing so well. Mm. They're great football. They're informed. They're confident. They're you know. I mean, it's incredible what they've done this season. And they've they've potentially got their toughest game in PSG before the final because the other yeah. two on that side are Leipzig without Werner. Obviously, Atletico would be a very tough game, but I think PSG would be the toughest of those. But that's a PSG without Mbappe. A PSG without Di Maria. So that they, they do have a, a genuine chance. They're missing Ilicic as well, apparently, through injury. Mm. But they, they do have a shot. Mm. And a fluid three at the back as well. I mean, uh, you know, we, yeah. we talk about in England, it's not quite as popular. But with Wolves, you see how e- effective it can be. I know Leeds, Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa coming up. Neville says he'll never play three at the back for a variety of reasons. Really good <laughs> video. did send you that. I don't know if you've watched it. But also uh, a very interesting, you know, system that, that that can work in a lot of ways as I say Bielsa not a big fan uh, and he makes a very good case for not being a fan but certainly it makes you defensively more assured it can also make you better going forward because as yeah. people have said you've not got a back four you've got a back three so you've got an extra man going forward but also when you're defending you're, you can be back five so it can be really hard to break down a back five with two uh, deeper midfield sixes and with Atalanta They've got um, a sort of free number 10 who can link between the two strikers and he, he sort of operates just behind those. You know, Alejandro Gomez, seven goals, 16 assists, really good numbers there. And as we say, you know, Ilicic, the striker, 15 goals, five assists, unfortunately injured. But then you've got Zapata with uh, 13 goals and five assists yeah. uh, and, and other players. I mean, the, uh, the left wing back, Gosens, has nine goals and eight assists. I mean, that shows it almost Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso figures there, James. Yeah, I mean, They're yeah. Really... Abuse has been linked with Chelsea as well, funnily enough. But um, mm. yeah, he's had a phenomenal season. Mm. Yeah. You know, phenomenal. And, and They're, I, spreading, and they're it, spreading the goals across the team, aren't they? 
I actually remember when Atalanta played in the Europa League against Everton at Goodison, they they beat us five one, and I think the centre back got two goals. So they really do spread the spread the goals around the team. I've done and for it, years, and it's I think that's the modern way, isn't it, to spread the goals around the team? Because I think now less and less you're having strikers that you say, oh, he gets thirty goals a season and he scores all the goals. I know Bayern Munich's a bit of an exception to that rule, yeah, but. Uh, they can still have, they still have goal scorers in Thomas Muller and, and uh, uh, Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry and so on. Mm-hmm. And obviously Leroy Sané next season. But generally now, teams are less predictable at attacking forces and they're not all, yeah. always reliant on 25-30 goal men. It's a bonus if you have one. You know, Liverpool, it's definitely Liverpool more efficient, have, isn't it? Yeah, Liverpool don't have uh, a out-and-out goal scorer, do they? Roberto Firmino, but he, he probably gets <laughs> into double figures. And he's got two wide players that that, that can that can score the goals as well. So, yeah, it, the, the the striker does seem to be. I mean, that that's a fifteen minute conversation itself, um, and we have two <laughs> minutes left on this one. So, I think we covered quite a few teams there. Also, just a quick word on Maurizio Sarri and won the league in Serie A. Yeah. Little bit, you know, there's a few there's a few concerns with maybe his style of play not quite passing over as fans would have liked, but they have won the league. They also had a Max Allegri team that was very much the opposite of Maurizio Sarri team. So a lot of players who were stuck in his kind of ways. So, you know, you can't really ask much more than uh, winning the league, but Champions League is probably a bit of a long shot, isn't it? They're also 1-0 down after the first leg. Obviously, there's a few, a few that are a two-leg tie, basically. Mm. and He's not got the benefit of the, the home tie either, which it doesn't look too great for them. But I mean, when they've got Ronaldo, they can overturn that. They, yeah, what, what you can never bet against them. One word answer for both of you wins the Champions League. City. Okay, I would have said City, but as somebody else said it, I'll say Real Madrid. Hmm. Ironically, they both play each other, so we're not. BT really should hire us as, as promoters of the game because that will be on <laughs> next week. A very, very uh, exciting game, no doubt. I think it will be, you know, as I say, a tremendous game. So, topic number two. I'll let you boys ask the question in, in fairness. So, obviously, Europa League's also coming on next month. Well, it might be this month by the time it goes out, August. So, mm-hmm. you know, Manchester United, probably one of the biggest teams left in it. Very fascinating transfer window away. It's them. Guys, fire away. What have you got? Well, the only thing about Manchester United, I mean, you could talk about anything with Manchester United. They've been in the news this week, mainly for transfers, because mm. there have been stories of them being in talks with Jaden Sancho and Jack, there's talks about Jack Grealish. I think Torres, the centre back as well. Yeah. Um, so they're clearly going to be active this summer in the transfer market. They're one mm. of the few clubs that can spend big money. Mm. So I'm interested to know what do you think are the areas that United need to strengthen and actually who do you think they're, they're going to sign or should sign? Well, Good, it's a fair question. I think, um, obviously, I think Sancho's the big sort of target and it seems more of an inevitability than a possibility whether they're going to sign him. I think this, the strategy with United, since Solskjaer's had his first transfer window, second transfer window after the January when he came in, is almost, they have targets in mind and they are sensible targets that fit a particular remit. So Harry Maguire, not quite over the hill. He's also Premier. He was also Premier League proven and had lots of years left in him. Not quite young, as, as young as some of the others, but certainly had his best years ahead of him. He, he came in and was made captain. Yes, they overpaid. Did he improve the team? Yes. So, you know, what, that's all that really you know, matters. That's all that really matters. Aaron Wan-Bissaka comes in, young, 
British, also, you know, proven in the Premier League, hungry, wants to play for Man United, not going to have a big ego about him. There's a lot of players in the past that came in with an ego, that came in with, a, you know, sort of Alexis Sanchez, for example, massive wages, big ego, not necessarily the right attitude. The players they've been targeting now are younger, hungrier, not at the full potential, want to play at the club, want to develop under Oliver de Solskjaer, want to develop at Man United. So Jadon Sancho, I think, is going to happen. I think, it, I mean, there was, a, there was some reports today that suggested initial £60 million bid with add-ons in instalments over the coming years, which would be similar to what Arsenal did with Nicola Pepe, a £72 million move, which I think was split over four or five seasons. So mm-hmm. installments yeah. were paid over four or five right. seasons. And that would be a clever way to deal with a transfer in this current situation of COVID, given that the effect that the coronavirus has had on the world and the impending recession that we're all going to be... In, that we're all currently I'm going to be involved in for a, a little while. Money's more scarce. So again, it makes sense to, to, to operate like this a little bit. But just touching on that, it also means that, you know, obviously teams can't play fantasy football, but they aren't, I do not see United signing Jack Grealish and um, Jadon Sancho this summer because Villa quoted as wanting £80 million. Uh, this is a player, if Jack Grealish signed for Man United right now, and they signed Sancho as well, I don't think he gets in the starting eleven. I think he'll go next summer, to be honest, Grealish. I think, you know, the fact that he's a Villa fan, they've stayed up, probably going to get a few players in themselves. I, why not stay for another 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 year at your boyhood club? Get a striker who can get 10 to 15 goals. 15, probably. Villa's quite an open team. You know, and, and I'm sure you'll see even more of Jack Grealish's creative talents. I think he'll probably stay. You're right, James. Think- Sorry, just to summarise, I'll bring you in a second. Yeah, don't bring worry. Sancho in. Bring Sancho in. Obviously, they linked with the centre-back. They linked Gabriel, actually, who were Everton were linked with. I think after Sancho, anyone who they come in, they're going to try and get under a certain... Because I think Sancho's going to come with an inflated price. You know, Even if it's 100, 100 million over three or four seasons or whatever, it's going to be an inflated price, a lot of money. They can't just throw eight... You know, They can't just go to Cooley Valley next and say, oh, we're going to spend 60. You know, it's got to be a bit of realism. So I think they will go for a potential bargain in defence. I think Gabriel is a good option for that. I personally would have liked to have seen what they did with Twanzabe, but he's injured for the whole Europa League group stage. And, you know, he's a quite an exciting young player, but he can't seem to get involved for an opportunity. So it's a risk to then imagine, oh, yeah, he's going to be fine when he comes back. He's going to be amazing. It's a risk to do that when you, then you'd only be left with Maguire, Lindelof, and an injury hit Eric Bailly, you know, who, who, has, who has previous with injuries. So it does make sense to get a centre-back on the cheap in Sancho. Yeah, well, no, I was actually about Grealish. I was going to say I agree that he should stay an extra year, particularly with the Euros being next year. I think if he moved to United, there'd be a chance where he may, might not actually make the team, especially the starting eleven. Whereas his best chance at making the starting eleven, at least, mm. is staying at Villa, getting that game time, and showing Southgate what he can what he can add to the team, particularly in various different positions. Now, I don't know exactly what Southgate's going to do in terms of formations, where he'd fit in. But yeah, I think that that would be his best option would be to stay another year. Well, I mean, or, I, or go I, to a club where he'll get the game time at least. No, I, I I agree with you, and I think Arsenal will probably be a club who might he might get game time. Mm. At, but I don't think they sanction the money. I mean, with no. relation to the Europa League thing as well, I I I'll sort of I'll throw you two in on this, I suppose, even though it's my kind of spotlight fifteen. I think that Europa League, United sealed fourth already, so it's a bit of a it's not quite the same prestigiousness as the as the Champions League. I'd really like to see. Some of the squad players given more given more minutes than they were that they were given in in after yeah. the, uh, the restart. So, mm-hmm. for example, Fred was widely considered to be one of 
the most improved players we've been at for United this season. Done really well, massively, as we say, improved since it's in, uh, from the from the previous season. And Scott McTominay looking a bit like he reminds me a lot of Jordan Henderson. I think in many ways, I think he plays with a lot of heart, passion, has some decent technical ability, and he was also had played to a decent level this season. But as soon as yeah. Pogba and Fernandez were both fit, they barely got a minute. So I'd like to see those two involved, and I'd also like to see. You know, Andres Pereira as well. I mean, I know he's he's not necessarily set the world on fire in certain respects, but again, he's you know Europa League. I know they're five 0 up on the first leg, so the second leg, there's no excuse yeah. not to, to play a, a team of that haven't really had many minutes uh, so far. So potentially with him, and I, I put a slash with Lingard next to him because I feel like one of those two probably should have some time elsewhere because you know there's, I mean Lingard. To be honest, you think that Lingard's played. In the, some of the biggest games for Jose Mourinho, played quite regularly for David Moyes, played in the FA Cup final and scored for Louis van Gaal. You know, scored, scored in the final for Louis van Gaal uh, of the FA Cup. And then for Jose Mourinho, as we say, he played in quite a lot of the big games. To begin with, with Solskjaer, he played in quite a lot of the games and did well. I mean, it's not like he's a terrible player, far from it. Had, it, had a pretty good World Cup as well. Had a pretty good, yeah, he had a pretty good World Cup, regular feature uh, in, in Gareth Southgate's team. I mean, there is there is the option that you know for them to recoup quite a, to get quite a bit of money on Jesse Lingard if if he's yeah. if he's panned out and Pereira as well. I think probably has less of a potential valuation. I don't think he'd go for as much as Lingard would. We'd keep one of those two, and then there's Matter as well. I mean, James, you know, Matter used to you know 32 years old, I love phenomenal that. little player uh, at Chelsea, great yeah. character on and off the pitch. Doesn't really seem to be getting any minutes. I mean, I think you know, I don't know about you, but even though he is 32. You know, 10 minutes to go, game's nil-nil, Fernandez isn't performing. There's, there's no reason to not have one yeah. matter on. At the same time, I've seen him linked with Fenerbahce and, and, and a return to La Liga and you can't really begrudge him that he's not playing at all. No, not at all. And last thing I'd say, and just again, I'll, I'll ask you for your opinions, I'd like to see Romero given the gloves for the whole tournament. I really would because three reasons. One, I think he deserves it because he's been a, you know, He's, many people, including many United fans, and many people have believed him. If you just said at the start of the season, who's the best backup goalkeeper? They'd have said Romero. Never lets them down, or rarely lets them down in, in matches. Actually, put, he's pulled off some brilliant saves in, in the past in, in the cup competitions. And it was a surprise to me when so, not that Solskjaer rotated his team against Chelsea, but that Romero didn't play. And obviously, mm-hmm. De Gea made three mistakes. Well, was culpable for three of all three of Chelsea's goals. So it was a decision yep. that you know didn't look too good. Second reason I think he should play is that, you know, I think De Gea needs a break. I mean, he's played so much. He's played, I think, every game since the restart. And the games have been coming thick and fast. Some performances he's done OK, but I think people are remembering the not-so-good performances more than the good performances. I think it makes sense to give him time off and, and time to reflect. Peter Schmeichel said that one of the reasons for his bad performances has been that Solskjaer's style means that there's a lot less for him to do than, he, than under Jose Mourinho, where shots came thick and fast. He had a lot more to do. He had it was a lot more involved. He had to be a lot more alert and concentrated. Under Solskjaer, where they play a more passing style and they allow less shots in, but potentially bigger chances when they do allow shots. But especially with Maguire and his lack of pace, it means that a striker can go in one on one, and there's a much worse chance for De Gea to do do what he does best. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a different style regardless of it. And I think they do, they do allow less shots on, as we say. But again, regardless of that, it does need to, I think it needs time for reflection, need a break and need to get away from it all for a bit. So I would Don't give the tournament to Romero. 
One thing I would say about Romero is that he has been linked away, uh, particularly to Leeds. I don't know if you saw that one. I did. So and the, Everton, they, and, the, and Everton, and I would take him at Everton to be fair. But we'll talk about that after. But yeah, uh, so there might be with the transfer rooms hanging over his head, he might be distracted. He might be in talks with them right now as we speak. But, so, uh, 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 but all I would say is that uh, you know he the, those rumours came off the back of him saying. You know, this is the first time we've heard Sergio Romero come out and say, actually, it's quite hard being a number two and being the backup. But usually everyone was saying, oh, he's quite a happy number two. And he said, actually, yeah. I do want to be playing. I do want to. And suddenly the rumours spark up. So maybe There's giving the... him that chance. Yeah. Yeah. Did... Well, it could. It could result in him being number one. You never know. Well, no, I'll tell you what, three things it could do. <laughs> three things. It might be two. I haven't worked it out yet. But I think it's three. <laughs> but for one, he could. It could make him number one because you've just got a good one there. It could make him number one. Two, he could make people realise, well, hang on, I'm David Dea. This guy is actually a good goalkeeper. He could he could be a he could be a very potential, very good competition for Dea and bringing it back to the forefront of his of his presence. Also, it allows Dean Henderson to have another loan at Sheffield United and his development mm. continue there, which I think is what everyone really kind of wants at United at this yeah. point. No one wants to throw him in too soon. And then the third one is if if he does go and they do bring for whatever reason, they do want to bring Henderson back and get into challenge with the hair. Can sell him for more money because he's performed yeah. in the Europa League. It's a win-win, isn't it? No, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I'm always right, Jordan. <laughs> no, the one thing I would add is I would quite like to see Mason Greenwood played as a striker in, in the Europa League as well because, I mean, that's where he played through the, the academy, wasn't it? And, I mean, Marshall's finished the season really like really strongly but yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see Greenwood played in his natural <laughs> position and just see what he can do because we've seen I'd, how good a finisher he is I'd like to see the young lad Agarlo give it a chance I'm sorry him and the young Jesse Lingard I think there's potential yeah, for, um, yeah. yeah he's he's, uh, he's an emerging talent um, what do you, I, I'll get your goal, opinion I'll look though, in him Get, get the opinion though on you, James, on the goalkeepers, because I know Jordan sort of hinted at his opinion. What, what, what would you do, De Gea, Romero, Henderson? How, how would you go? It's nice in the Europa League, I would. Yeah, yeah I would. Play we can't do Romero. Henderson in the Europa League, I don't think. But I mean, more for the beauty. Go on, we'll start with that. You go for Romero. Well, okay, well, yeah. In terms of the Europa League, yeah, mm. play because one, De Gea has been awful. Two, it's the Europa League. Standard of opposition is not going to be as high, and also I think given. Basically, say to him, "Look, this is your chance. Mm. You play well in the Europa League, and you could get a move to Leeds. And either, <laughs> either you could get a move, or we could promote you to number one. Yeah, next year. Yeah, you know, he deserves the chance. He's a good keeper. He's yeah, a, yeah. He, he would if he went to Leeds or or Everton or anywhere and was number one. He'd do a really good job. He's a good keeper. He was actually bought, I think, if I remember right, when." Van Gaal, wasn't it? Hayer was going. Yeah, they thought the Hayer was going and he was bought to be number one. He was. So, and then they tried to get Navas but it didn't work, did it? Um, yeah, that didn't work. So, so yeah, uh, he's, probably, he's definitely good enough, um, mm. certainly. And so they should give him a go. You know, I, I agree with the, the idea of Greenwood as a striker. That's, that's his natural position. He's played a bit deeper purely because Marshall has been playing so well mm. as yeah. a striker. But yeah. I think it's going to come, especially if they buy Sancho, who mm. will play on the right wing mm. without any yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, and so Greenwood will have to play as a striker then. And to be honest, Sancho and Greenwood and Mar- and um, Rashford as a front three is pretty lethal. It's scary. Uh, uh, yeah. Marshall on the bench. 
you know, <laughs> like that. That's that's a lot of options. So, yeah. Exciting so. times, maybe, but I don't think it's fancy football. So I think they'll get Sancho roughly, then maybe one centre-back. I can't see them going crazy after that. Quick word on both of you before we finish on on this topic on Man United slash Europa League. Who do you fancy for the Europa League? One word. Answer, please. Inter, Inter Milan. That's two words, James. <laughs> You're always saying the teams that I think as well. Um, <laughs> Inter definitely a big chance and outside chance would be Wolves. Yeah, yeah. I like Wolves. 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 And Leverkusen as well. Leverkusen is a very good team. Yeah, yeah. 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 Some good teams in the Europa League. Good teams. Okay, topic three. Sort of a, an, e- an easier kind of in one for Jordan. Jordan's favourite type of toffee. After Ben and Jerry's for hours. Is, 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 is Everton. So they are a team that continue to flatter to deceive. I quote at the start of the season, oh, no. Carlo Ancelotti's team will... No, he didn't say it. I'm lying. He knows I'm lying because it was Marco Silva at the start. So, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> so But I do remember something that went along the lines of it was fifth and Wilfred Zaha was coming. Wilfred Zaha didn't come. And Everton didn't finish fifth. I think Ben finished higher than Everton. They did. They, they, so, yeah, they did. So, um, you most, know, most teams finished higher than Everton. Where did Everton finish in the end? I think it was 12th. Might have been really? 13th. It was quite poor. I, I didn't <laughs> look after it dropped below 11th. <laughs> so, 12th. Wow. That yeah. Was yeah. Not, yeah, I didn't see that coming, actually. I mean, no. Don well, Carlo's in now, isn't he? And it's, yeah, to uh, be fair it's, to Carlo, we were actually 18th when he came in. So, it, you can't. Put I mean, too you, don't, much you, don't, you don't know him by you know. Don't, you don't know him by friends. So <laughs> oh, I get the impulse to call him Carlo. You was yeah. We still call him Carlo. <laughs> I don't call Dyke Sean. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, we'll go with Ancelotti. Um, I mean, yeah. so you've got. You, you said you can write essays on this particular piece. Mm. So if you would be so eloquent as to as to speak like you are writing an essay. Well, yeah, as I say, Everton. Everton. Do you have, put, as I say, in essays, Jordan. I, I mean, you know, uh, no. But no. <laughs> no. As I say, I could go on for for a long time, and there's a lot of positions that we really need to address. But obviously, with the COVID situation, it's not going to be easy. Now we don't know exactly what the money situation is. Carlo's kind of sorry, Ancelotti's kind of uh, insinuated that he's got a, a, a decent wedge to spend, and I'd say there's a few positions that we need more than others particularly, most notably, centre midfield and right wing. Mm. And then centre-back and goalkeeper are the next two after that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, as far as central mids go, I mean, you link with Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, uh, mm-hmm. probably going to Spurs, uh, as yeah. I said. Yeah, um, they also, yeah. Douglas Louise, if they, if I, we, I said, I did say, if, if, if Villa went down, Douglas Louise is, is, is the guy that so many people should be caught in, never mind Grealish, that guy is. Is a he's, player and a half. Yeah, he's a great you know. footballer. But they stayed really up, great. so that, that conversation doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, central midfielders, you, you've uh, United have Fred. You you might get Alan. I mean, it's sort of this crazy. I mean, what, what do you think? Got Bernard. 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 Bernard no, yeah, well. I, I think Alan is actually probably my favourite of the sentiments that we've been linked to. So there's three that have been quite heavily linked. Hoiberg, as you've, met, as you've mentioned who's been named by the more reliable Everton journalists. Then we've got Alan, such as, oh, what's his name? Uh, He's reliable, him. Oh, right. (laughs) And Paul Joyce as well also said we bid for Hoiberg. Uh, And then a few of the Italian journos linked us to Alan. But that one's been kind of trundling along for quite a while, so I can see that one being true as well. And he'd be my favourite. And then Weston McKenney, American 
Schalke centre mid, very young, he's only 21, lots of energy, the, the kind of profile we need, but maybe not quite the quality we need right now. Maybe more one for the future. As I say, Alan's my favourite of the ones I've been linked to. Is that because he's called Alan, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I can pronounce that uh, much better than I can Hoiberg. <laughs> Hoiberg, yeah. Hoiberg's a very interesting spelling as well. It's, it, well, I'm not going to spell it out now because I'm not quite sure, but it's a very, <laughs> um, very it's got two J's. Wow, well, does that yeah. come from Hoiberg? He's a good player. Um, well, they're thinking about a swap deal, or they're just on the side note with Carl um, Walker Peters, aren't they? Walker Peters goes. To yeah. Sense. Very. No, yeah. On on, I know it's not the the most reputable, but on Hoiberg's Twitter likes, he's actually liked a tweet about joining Spurs. So I think that one's more what he would prefer, and I, you can't really blame him for that. But yeah. Alan, he played under Carlo. Sorry, under Ancelotti at Napoli last season and, and I, I think they have quite a good re- working relationship whereas Alan doesn't have the best relationship under Gattuso no. and Napoli haven't had the best season either so no. I could see why he would want to come and play in the Premier League under a manager mm. that he knows mm. in a team where he'd be our best cent- central midfielder by a mile mm. and he'd also he's the right kind of central midfielder that would allow Gomez to be at his best because we've, we've not seen the best of Gomez since Idrissa Garnagay left because he just doesn't have the legs to, to get around. He's got Tom Davies just running around aimlessly next to him. Aww. So, yeah, I, I think Alan would be my first choice. He is 29, though, so that's one potential downside. Poor to, Tom to Davies. Him. It's like you in midfield, <laughs> running around aimlessly, not knowing where to go. Um, no, I mean, you, you sort of you talk about that, that, that quite extensively. I mean, you mentioned wingers as well, and I sort of touted, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Wil- Wilfred Zahar, for me, you know, when I was thinking 12 months ago, I thought it'd be brilliant, as I, I, think, I think me and James touched on it a, a year ago or something around yeah, this time. We're thinking, oh, for yeah. Chelsea, it'd be really good, and for Arsenal, it'd be really good. And now they just see, it seems to have passed the point almost. I, I, I'm looking at it now and thinking, well, Arsenal could get him and it'd be good, but are they going to want to spend elsewhere? Yeah. Maybe they would. And then I look at Chelsea and think, no, I think they're, they're building something like, you know, Havertz, Werner. DH, Pulisic, uh, William yeah. might go. So I, I think that's a really as well. So then and he's, you, he's 27 now as well. Yeah. And he'd, he'd still command quite a fee. I mean, we're probably looking at 50 million. And then you, again, you look yeah, at top, Tottenham as well. But million, Daniel yeah. Levy wouldn't sanction that kind of money. So, you know, <laughs> it, would you take him at Everton? And, and do you think Absolutely. You would, wouldn't I, you? I think. Great player. But I think that's the kind of profile that we really are crying out for. I mean, on the left, we've got Bernard and we've got Iwobi who haven't had the best seasons, particularly mm. Iwobi. Mm. He, he's flattered to deceive. He, he's clearly quite a good footballer, but you, can, yeah. you, can't, you can't say that he's been yeah. a success this season. But I think he would he'd be complimented by, on the other side, having that 1v1, really pacey winger that, that's going to get us up the field and mm. really attack the, the full-backs rather than his style, which is more drifting inside and creating chances. Yeah. So no. yeah, I think Zaha would would be a great option for that. Now, one thing I would say is that he's been at his best on the left rather than the right. Would he would he prefer playing on the right? Would he be happy playing on the right at Everton? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, yeah go on, James. Yeah, I mean Zaha. What I've what I've read in a number of places is that he wants to go to a Champions League club. Yeah. Yeah. So, or at the very least, a European club. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Not languishing in twelve plays. Yeah, and I think he, I think he, I think he prefers to play on the left. I think that's his better position as well, to be honest. Rather than mm-hmm. the right, I think, 
I don't, I haven't, I don't, he plays on the left a lot for Palace and he's performed a lot on the left, left for Palace. But that said, if he signed for Everton, he'd be a really good player for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'd make a huge impact. Yeah. And, he, and he's yeah, one of those, absolutely. like you say, he, he, he isn't afraid to take on players. And he's he almost, I almost said when, I think I said this last last 12 months ago, when Hazard left, he's almost an Eden Hazard type player in that he, he loves just to be on the ball, take players on, draw yeah. fouls, do magical things. Yeah, and he's, I think he's always up there, isn't he, on the successful take-ons. I mean, we've got Adama now who's break, breaking that, those figures now, but he's always up there. Trial Rachel. Uh, and then... One other player that we've been linked to this week is a former Chelsea player, Jeremy Boga, who Ooh. plays for Sassuolo. Now, I, I can talk to, you, talk to you about him. He's a very, very good player. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a stat, actually. The reason I mention him now is that he has the most take-ons completed in Serie A this season. Yeah. So he so. would probably... I mean, I've not actually seen much of him play, but he's the right kind of profile. One issue, again, is that he's mainly played off the left for Sassuolo, at least. But yeah, James, if you want to elaborate yeah. on him. Yeah, there's a lot of Chelsea fans who wanted Boga back this summer. Um, That'd be a good hashtag. He was one of the most talented players in the academy. Unfortunately, he came through at a time when we weren't given chances to play academy players. Yeah, so there's a lot of Chelsea fans who kind of regret that we let him go. And if whoever gets him is going to get a very good player. Yeah, he's also actually linked to Dortmund as a replacement for Sancho. Which now might say quite a I lot about for them. about that the kind be, of player that he is. He would thrive there. Well, if yeah. he went if he went to Dortmund, he would probably do really well and then get a move to a big club because yeah, that's how good he is. Yeah, mm. you know, phenomenal. I mean, um, player, uh, young talent, but also, you know, we didn't we haven't really touched on the elephant in the room that's Jordan Pickford, and you know, obviously. <laughs> Very, um, you know, you, you know, it's, it's a strange one because when he first joined Everton, very, very good. One of the best players, I think, in his first season. Did a really good job in raising his portfolio, so much so that he ends up going uh, to the World Cup singles number one. Comes back a World Cup a hero. World Cup. Comes back a World Cup hero, you know. Won the penalty shootout, made some very good saves in that tournament. So, yeah, he comes back after that. And, you know, the world is his oyster. And then all of a sudden, it's, uh, it's not because he, he's... Uh, not doing quite as well, making too many. It's almost David De Gea-esque, isn't it? The 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 the, the, it is. the, the, the idea yeah, of his mistake. It's very Constant similar, pressure. actually, because he makes so many great saves. Mm. There was one particularly. I know you <laughs> saw it against Bournemouth, where mm. uh, where it was nil nil, and he made a what would have what could have been a match winning save. It was phenomenal, but then he goes and makes a stupid mistake later on, and it that that game pretty much sums up Pickford as a goalkeeper. Now, one thing that I've pointed out in the past is he has a tendency to just aimlessly kick the ball up the pitch straight to the opposition keeper and just lose possession. Mm. Now, he is very good with his feet, but he, do, he, just, he doesn't think about what he's doing too often. And I think that concentration is one of his biggest weaknesses. Because, you, you, yeah, you, you sort of touched on it both there because some people uh, listening might think, oh, you know, Pickford's in the England team because of his uh, ability with his feet. But it's like you say, it's not necessarily because technically he's probably one of the best Five keepers with his feet in the league, probably. Yeah, five no, he's very, very, very good. good. I mean, I, I always remember England v Spain, the friendly. You mentioned this a lot. Uh, but yeah. England v Spain, the <laughs> yeah, friendly, do. where it was three two to uh, Spain, and and he and he's he's, he's he's excellent, wasn't he, at the back with his the, the way he found midfielders with what I like to call impressive mid range passes. What I like to call that's just what they are: impressive mid range <laughs> passes into in, uh, quick mid range passes that keep the tempo going. Break break between the lines and also, you know, and, and it contributed to some of their goals there. So that showed 
you know, if anyone wants an example of why Jordan Pickford's you know so integral to Southgate's team, go find that video. But also, um, you know, so there is that. That is clear. His, his technical abilities are clear. But as you say, yeah. concentration mm-hmm. is an issue. Just like with De Gea, is it what? What do you do, James? What do you do, James the goalkeeping coach? What do you do for <laughs> De Gea and uh, and Pickford, people who um, you know are very good goalkeepers in, in, in terms of their abilities, but have problems concentrating? What, how can how can you counter that? It's a tough one. I mean, the first thing the, the first thing you could say is get them some serious competition, but De Gea has competition already. Yeah. And he's still making mistakes. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the competition is at Everton, but... Very poor. It was Martin's Declan. I tell you what would be, what Everton would be, would be smart to do is sign someone like Ben Foster to really push Pickford Mm. and also to help him because he's experienced. um, He's a strong character. He could, Help him iron out those weaknesses. Yeah, he's uh, a very good keeper as well, isn't he? And he'd push him. He'd push him because he's a, he could easily take his spot. So mm. something like that uh, would probably benefit Pickford. Pickford's a young, youngish keeper, so yeah. you know, he's not like past his peak. No. Uh, you know, so and he's definitely on his days of still a very good keeper. So he's mm. just got to eliminate those mistakes and improve his concentration. Would you say yeah, there was I, do that? He's young enough to be able to learn to do that. Yeah, what, absolutely. Would you? I mean, you say that, James, and yet uh, I'm not going to make this a 15 minute conversation. Just sort of a remark that with 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 um, with Kepariza Balaga is also a young keeper. You say you want him out of the football club. So I suppose it well, depends. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. not. I wouldn't say he's young anymore. He's nearly 27. So, and he is the statistically the worst goalkeeper in Premier League history, which is <laughs> which is not just not he's the worst. I think he was the worst keeper in the Europa League last year. He's one of the worst in the Champions League this year. He's the worst in the Premier League this year. He's the worst in the Premier League history of any Stats keeper. don't read well for him. <laughs> 730 of 730 keepers. Yeah, he's probably one of the worst signings in Premier League history, actually. Mm. He's overtaken Danny Drinkwater as the worst signing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Everton have quite a few that could rival him. It's like, basically, it's like there's this, there's this little meme going around on, on Twitter, this video of, People taking long shots of Kepa and, and just before they shoot, it pauses and says, "He says, um, you know, it's Kepa. I'm just going to shoot." <laughs> well, I mean, well, you, you yeah. sort of see that <laughs> in your door. So, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, and to compete for the title, which Chelsea want to do, they need to have a. Uh, they can't. They can't be carrying players like Kepa. Kepa's cost Chelsea about ten or fifteen points this year on his own. Yeah. So, not know, a good, not a good Kepa, not a good Kepa, and also <laughs> Kepa, with. No. No, so, I mean, yeah, I've had a lot of time to think about keepers and good and bad keepers and what to do about it because we've had one all season. Yeah, um, it's a fair point, Jordan. In one word, how many signings mm-hmm. would be needed to get Everton into a position where they can maybe challenge for a Europa League spot? I, I think we'll only make three or four signings. However, to push forward to the top six, I think we'd be looking at seven signings probably. Seven signings. Uh, fair enough. That was a long one-word answer, by the way. Uh, so we final sort of fifteen. Uh, it's very well detailed analysis. I think it's very well done. So <laughs> shouldn't be too mean. But uh, final uh, final segment really is more of a sort of look at uh, look at transfers and also uh, um, a little a little look at this article found in the Times. Because I know you like 
the Daily Tory Graph, but uh, the Times is also uh, yeah, another course. reputable newspaper. And also has in the back a very interesting article. So I'll, I'll throw this one to you, James. As I said before, Tony Cascarino said, uh, with regards to centre-backs, that uh, the position has changed massively. You have to be fast and technically gifted now, uh, citing that John Terry, Steve Bold, uh, and Tony Adams would have struggled and potentially been embarrassed in the modern-day game in the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, James, what, what do you think about that? And also, do you think the, uh, uh, Tony Cascarino states that, that pace and technical ability is now as, much, as important for a centre-back as the ability to defend? It is. No, football has changed. Football, yeah. is always, football is always changing. Yeah. Uh, it's always evolving and adapting and you know, developing. And, you know, the, that's why it's difficult to compare players of different eras because you can only be as good as your era and fit mm. what your era, you know, so it's difficult. But yeah, I mean, what, what centre-backs now for a top team and even yeah. for a mid-table team, really, they need to be quick. They need to be, need to be good on the ball. You know, uh, I'm not saying everyone has to be a... Everyone, not everyone has to be a playmaker from the back, but you need to have you need to be good on the ball. You need to be able to mm, pass the ball. Mm, mm. You know, it's not just enough to be able to head a ball. Now you no. have to be able to control the ball and pass it. And you do need to be quick because the Premier League is very fast, uh, mm. and you know the pace of and European European football is fast. It's mm. a lot of it's about pace now. So yeah, I think the old qualities are still important. You know, being good in the air, being tall, mm. strong. Mm. You know, positionally, I think. Is really important. Mm. Positionally, being positionally smart is as just as important as being quick. If you are not quick, but you're positionally smart and you're intelligent and you know where the nowhere to be, you can actually counter not having pace. Yeah, and I think that is the most important thing: is that having the awareness of where to be at the right time, yeah. rather that, than being able yeah. to make up for that. And that's that's something that that's what a lot of Chelsea fans say about John Terry is that, that he wasn't. He wasn't quick, but positionally, he was very, very good and very smart and always knew where to be. Mm. So yeah, I think he would have adapted because he's smart enough. But, mm. but in, in, in one sense, he's right. You need, to, you, know, you need to be able to deal with pace. You need to be able to mm. pass the ball as and well as be able to defend. I mean, it's important to be able to defend as a defender. Um, yeah, no, obviously. You know, if you go too much the other way, then you have a David Luiz type situation. Yeah, uh, you know who's a great, who's fantastic footballer, great pass for the ball, really good on the ball, but and has good days where he's brilliant as a defender, but isn't consistent as a defender. He's, no, you know, he's no. always got a mistake in him, mm. uh, and you need to have both. I mean, that's why Van Dijk is so good because he's got both. He's great on the ball, he's a good passer, and he's superb defensively. And also, we I've, I've spoke on the pod about this. Spoke to you about this, Jordan. Spoke to others about the the, the lack of um, the dearth of um, top end centre backs, uh, mm. and and, and uh, you know people people you know tweet or say you know just randomly, oh, Harry Maguire's not very good. The overpaid, he's a terrible centre back. I can't believe United don't get better. And then you say name five better centre backs in the league, the Premier League, than Harry Maguire. They go Van Dijk, Laporte, and they go uh, Gomez, Jeremy. Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky is very good, uh, but they would name. You probably, I'd probably say Van Dijk, Port, Joe Gomez, and then maybe maybe Johnny Evans. Based on you know, he does seem to have Oof. a really good track record. Sure. But you, you, you can't you can't easily name five better than Harry Maguire, and it just shows, doesn't it? I mean, Maguire is uh, you know he's not the fastest, but he's 
quite good on the ball and he's got quite good defensive instincts usually. So, you know, even though United paid £80 million, you, you can see there's been a massive contrast in how leaky they were last year to, to what they are this year. Um, even though it's not perfect, um, you know, Harry Maguire has helped sort of bridge the gap. A little yeah, bit. and it's, as you alluded to before, he has been an improvement. Which, Massive. when Massive. when United have all the money that they do, that's all they really need is mm. an improvement. I think he's maybe he needs the pace next to him, and that's probably the most important thing United needs to sign is mm. a pace he's sent about to play next to him that can cover if he gets beaten one v one in the halfway line. Well, yeah, I mean, one of those centre backs that could have been bought maybe is Nathan Ake, except he's gone to the other team in Manchester, yes, uh, Manchester City. Forty million pounds for someone who's probably going to be a backup to a Merrick Laporte to Manchester City going mm. get another centre back, yeah, yeah. but still, you know, given what happened with Laporte this season and, and how and how badly they missed the left foot of centre back, it's certainly City covering all areas, isn't it? And probably means the end of John Stones not an end as well. Yes. Mm. Um, Nathan Ake is a very clever signing from Pep Guardiola. He, mm. he absolutely suits his style of football. He's really good on the ball. He's left-footed. He can play left-back. He can play defensive yeah. midfield. Yeah. I'm sure that he'll play in a number of positions as well. That's the other, that's the other attraction. He's kind mm. of two or three players in one, which mm. Pep loves. He was, again, it's another Chelsea Academy player. Um, yeah, he is. He is. You, you get um, a lot of success out of the the academy, academy players at Chelsea. Yeah, I saw that the top thirty. There's a list of number of teams who've got a Chelsea academy player in their squad. But it's quite a lot of teams, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. would, would, why why um, would Chelsea not have wanted him, James? I don't think he's the profile of centre back Chelsea are looking for. I think. Why that word profile today? Don't we? Chelsea profile. are looking for a more commanding centre back, uh, a someone who's good in the air, someone who's yeah, bit maybe a bit taller, someone who's a bit more physical, uh, an organizer, uh, kind of such as people, you know. So, and they like Aki. I think a lot of the lot of people behind the scenes at Chelsea like Aki, but I don't think he was the profile of centre back they wanted. Mm. So, uh, I think in other circumstances, yes, maybe. I mean, if it was up to me. I would have, I would sell Christensen and Rudiger and bring in and bring in Aki and another centre back because I think. Mm. Because Aki is the same kind of profile as Christensen, but he's better than Christensen. So, um, and left footed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Aki's a, and for that money as well, I mean, it's, a, it's a no brainer. It's a really good signing. And he will improve working on the Pep Guardiola. Mm. Yeah, a, that's, that so is true. His prime, and Pep has a habit of improving players. So. Yeah, I mean, as you know, uh, Chelsea, do you think uh, just as a sort of, this is kind of a free for all potential transfers, done transfers, and talk on centre-backs, but could, could there be a point on um, maybe if Frank Lampard's thinking that if they get a more commanding, confident, generally better goalkeeper than Kepa, that that will just make the centre-backs in front of them perform that 10-20% better than they have done this season? Well, I think you could make an argument that, that just signing a new goalkeeper, mm. for Anana, mm. would Anana, would, would add 10, 12, 15 points on its own, mm. yeah. Like, no, I, I that's how many points that. has cost Chelsea this year. Like, if you look at the number of games where fifteen points, though, he's directly maybe not fifteen. No, yeah. All right, all right, okay, seven, seven to ten points. Yeah, <laughs> they have a lot more points. You know, yeah. Um, it would improve the defense definitely just to mm. have a better goalkeeper. 
But I do think they need a centre back as well. They need a more. They need someone who's vocal, someone who's a, who's organised, someone who's commanding. You know, uh, I mm. think they need Declan Rice to play that role. Yeah, um, I got I got attacked by the newspaper then because uh, I was trying to find um, what I was trying to find. I can't find it now. But um, they had no, I, I found it. So some potential um, targets of teams in um, you know in that particular position. You've got as we touched on uh, Nathan Ake's gone, but also Paul Torres of Villarreal, also kind of linked with. Manchester City and Manchester United a little bit. Yeah, I've seen him linked to United. Declan Rice linked Declan Rice with Chelsea probably would be a very good option there. We've got Koulibaly, who's probably only Manchester City really, mm, really yeah. for Manchester City. And you've got Kalgar Sayunchu, who I, I don't really understand why he's there because I still think he's just tad overrated and a bit reckless. Still got a bit to prove for me. Leicester could also get a massive fee for him if and they did the, sell him. What's massive, Jordan? Well, is he... Worse than Harry Maguire was last season. I prefer Maguire to see Unchu. I'd put them myself. on a similar level, so I think that that's how much they would command ask for Unchu. And as I say, just to go back on the centre backs, what's the one combining factor between Harry Maguire doing really well and Calgary Unchu doing well? Johnny Evans, three million. Anyway, <laughs> he's he's just that's that's Johnny Evans, that was a very yeah. good. Very, very, good very good signing that by Leicester City. I and thought it was when they signed him. Yeah. Yeah. Very good business and very good point. The reason why Manchester City wanted him. There's a reason. You know, yeah. he, would, he would have been brilliant for Manchester City. He would. What do we think in general about the movement of, of centre-backs? This, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of focusing on that as a as a particular topic. I mean, just just uh, development actually going to Brighton for eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand yeah. pounds. I mean, That's talk about bargains. Yeah, absolute bargain, steal. Yeah. He's been he's played he's played over two hundred games for Ajax. He's had a few injury troubles of late, but he can play uh, right back and centre back. Uh, very impressive. Um, can use either foot, maybe Jordan. And uh, yeah. very um, very good um, very good signing for them. And it just shows that you can operate really well in, in a in a recession based market. Just look at look at what Brighton done and Lallana on a free as well. If he stays injury free. Got a yeah, they've been smart. Yeah. smart. Yeah. So it is. Well, no, I, I agree. I do think it's a big if. And ninety thousand pounds does break their wage barrier. Ninety thousand pounds per week. So it's it's a it's a bit of a gamble from Brighton because again it busts their uh, their wage structure right out there. And um, and yeah, it, 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 it's it's it, it is a gamble because again if he does get injured, it's a lot to be forking out for a, for a player every week. And, you know, look at what happened with Alexis. I mean, it's a bit different, but look at what happened with Sanchez at, um, at Man United. I would say in, in, in Lallana's defence, I think his character and his uh, mentality, as we've seen throughout his career, seems like an honest, good kind of professional who works hard. And Sanchez, maybe you don't get that as much. You get the ego and so on. And the situation there is quite ridiculous at the moment. But, I mean, there's a few, there's a few names here, actually. Cascarino himself mentions, uh, don't know why I said it like that, but we've got uh, Jack O'Connell at Sheffield United as, mm-hmm. as, as someone who's thrived in a three at the back. Connor Cody thrived in a three at the back, but I wouldn't be sure of with him in a four at the back or a two, no. two defenders. Because I think he benefits with having pacey players next to him. I, think uh, I, don't, I don't see why he would leave either. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, just, I, I, I'm just making the point. I couldn't think of trying to yeah. say I possibly. Uh, Tarkovsky as well. Uh, I do. I, I mean, I know he's my club, but I think he's de- genuinely, even though he plays in a very rigid system, he's a player who could leave Burnley a play in the not so rigid system. I think he's very good on the ball, confident, and can. We, what we're talking about, James, we'll bring this back. You were talking about positionally being very good. 
I think when you're a centre-back for a big club and you're often defending in a back two instead of a back four or sometimes a back six when the wide players, when the wide midfielders come in and act like, you know, the full-backs come in and act like centre-backs, it's a back six. But it's a big club, it's like a back two and it's almost like when you've got Dayan Lovren who, when he's a reactive defender, probably very good, like we see at Southampton and he's only got to defend in the yards in front of him or two yards either side. But when he's got to defend like 10, 15 yards either side, and he's got to process about five cogs in his head. He's got, do I run? Do I stay? Do I hold my position? Do I play him offside? And things like that. I feel like as a centre-back, like you say, that's so important. And at the big clubs, it can, you know, that that's really the big defining thing, isn't it? If all, if you can adjust to getting all those cogs working in your head instead of having almost been spoon-fed how to defend. At the big club, you've got to be, I'm an independent defender. I can do it my own way. Kind yeah. of thing. I think the best example has been Gerard Piquet over the last 15 you like seasons. Piquet, don't you, Jordan? I do like PK. Well, he's not really that fast, is he? And he's always played, in, as you say, in that pretty much a two-man defence, playing yeah. on the halfway line, and he's yeah. won everything there is to win. So yeah. he's a really good example of yeah. how you can do it even without pace. Do you say he was better than Van Dyke, Jordan? PK. He's had a better career than Van Dyke. Okay. So there's also some other. Um, that was good response. Uh, they've got um, they've got some other um, players that we've got. Obviously, Jude Bellingham's gone to uh, uh, Dortmund. Naturally, the club felt it was right to um, tie oh, the shirt number. Not started. Yeah. That's a 15-minute discussion in itself. Also, yeah, that's a, a weird thing. Also, Ferran <laughs> Torres. Ferran Torres as well was uh, another yeah. one who went to Man City. I yeah, mean, quick, quick summary, really bargain. Yeah, and I mean that sort of wraps up kind of. Not only the sort of mini transfer business section there and looking to centre backs and reference to Tony Cascarino's article is not paying me, but uh, maybe he should. That is a sort of reference of all of that morphed into one. That is the end of uh, the pod of sorts. 15 minutes of football, uh, Pilot 2 seems to work very well. Hopefully, when we're hearing more of this again, it will have, you know, a, go- a good team behind it. I'm working on it and hope the editors are listening right now. I feel like Jose Mourinho there, don't I? Know. Jose Mourinho at, um, when he was at Man United. So naturally, James, if that's the case, I'll be sacked next time uh, we're on the uh, yeah. on podcast for demanding too much. Um, but uh, no, that's uh, that's and um, you know that's all from me, and that's, that's all from James. Also, that's all from Jordan. Very good uh, debut there, Jordan. It brought back memories. Brought back yeah. memories. Of, rolling of, back the years. <laughs> rolling back the years of uh, of time gone by. And I've got to admit, you know, I had to remember with your presence here not to use foul language or, or be too cruel but um, you know of course I think I did quite a good job there and you know I think that worked very well so tune in next time where we'll be doing more topics 15 minutes or less and covering it in, in, in immense detail and we're delivering the best football podcast coverage out there for the podcasts are available hopefully yeah hopefully that's uh, hopefully you've enjoyed that so see you later everyone take care uh, and stay safe yeah, during these crazy times Bye.